What's up, everyone? This is Robert Ross with the Nomad Business and Lifestyle Podcast. Do you daydream about quitting your job, walking away from your 9-to-5 corporate lifestyle, but curious how other people afford their lives traveling and living in a far-off location? Ten years ago, I quit my financial services job, sold everything I owned, and moved to a small surf town in coastal Ecuador with nothing but my dog, six surfboards, and a suitcase. Since then, I built a large hotel and real estate business in Montanita, Ecuador, called the Mi Hotel and Villas, Montanita Estates. But most importantly, I created the environment where I can focus my energy in every minute of the day doing exactly what I want to do, whether it's spending time with my family, surfing, kite surfing, and growing the Mi Hotel. Along the way, I've spent countless hours meeting and talking to others who have traded in their corporate lifestyles to take control of their future, enjoying the life of the nomadic traveler and business abroad. On this podcast, I'm going to share my experiences and those of others that are following their passions of living in exotic locations, while most importantly, continuing to earn and create business opportunities. Recently, I had the pleasure of participating in a panel presented by Equisist, Ecuador's leading law firm for expats, on an economic analysis of Ecuador. Since the year 2000, Ecuador has used the U.S. dollar as its official currency, which has a dramatic effect on the economy. As a business owner since 2012 in Ecuador, I've experienced firsthand how this fiscal policy affects my hotel business, tourism, as well as my real estate holdings. On this podcast, I talk in detail about the effect of the U.S. dollar on the hotel and real estate industries. We also touch on taxes, regulation, and the pandemic and its effect in the Ecuadorian economy. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we have Robert Ross right now. He's joining us. Um, please, Robbie, uh, can you please give us a lecture? Basically, because you have a, an economic background back in the U.S., so... What, what is your lecture of what is happening in Ecuador right now? I, I was on a few weeks ago and I talked a bit about tourism. I, I thought I'd talk a little bit more about the dollar because this was an economic uh, discussion and how it affects our business. Um, so I'm the owner of the Mi Hotel, uh, which, is a, which is a hotel in Montanita. Um, and uh, we've got 15 condos, 15 hotel rooms, restaurant, bar. Uh, spa, and then they also have a real estate company. Um, and uh, the real estate company, we've got lots, condos, homes that all surround the hotel. And I've been in business since 2013, and we've watched the, uh, the dollar really move in that time. Um, so when I got here, I, I've been here since 2011, and I really didn't think much about how the dollar would affect our business. Um, but since then, since being here and being in business, over the last 10 years, seven years here, the dollar has a huge effect on, on, on how our business functions. So the, though I know a lot of, of expats are involved in Airbnb and are buying real estate, but the way the dollar affects my hotel business is completely inverse to how it affects my real estate business. So um, the hotel business, which I started in 2013, we were in this boom period when the dollar was much, much weaker. Um, so it, back in uh, when, when I got here, the dollar was 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 very weak, um, and it really had a, a positive effect on the on the hotel business. We had a 
when we opened our doors, we had like 80% of our business that came from Argentina. Um, they were also, you know, South America gets, has about 400 million people. We're getting a ton of business from Colombia, ton of business from, uh, from Chile, uh, Europeans. Everybody was looking at, at Ecuador. Um, what we've seen over the last six years as the dollar's gotten stronger um, is the international business kind of dry up a little bit. Not a lot, but it's, it's definitely gone down. So um, in 2015, when Argentina devalued their currency, it went from four to one to thirty uh, to thirty-two to one. Um, we saw our business really, really change. And so, over the last ten years, we've seen a really a, a dramatic uh, increase in in the power of the dollar and in the strength of the dollar. Um, now, the the inverse of that is the real estate market, um, which has actually uh, the the dollar has created a lot of stability in the real estate market. So. You can imagine if you invested in a place like Colombia or another country that wasn't on the dollar that had a huge uh, depreciation of their of the currency. Uh, the 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 while your while your hotel your tourism business might go up, if you lose thirty percent on your real estate, um, it's going to hurt when you try to get out of your real estate. So the dollars actually created a lot of stability in the real estate market. And kind of when I look at my overall portfolio of of the hotel, the condos, the, the land I own, the condos I own, that stability that the dollar creates has really been kind of, you know, just a, a benefit mentally that I don't have to worry about huge fluctuations, the devaluation. So well, it was really good to hear Alberto today. What he was talking about was that, you know, and the one thing that I look at is the, the big, biggest risk of being an investor here in Ecuador is that if they were to go off the dollar, because if they were to go off the dollar, the, the volatility, and all of the all of my investments, all of my assets would would be horrible. Um, you know, I might be if we were to go off the dollar, the hotel business would probably get stronger um, because uh, because we'd have more Europeans who right now might be looking at vacations in Colombia or in or in Peru um, or Brazil might be looking at Ecuador more. But probably the the uh, the, the loss in value that I would lose in my all my real estate holdings would be horrible. Um, so it was really good to hear Alberto say that there's not really any appetite in Ecuador right now uh, to go off the dollar. Because um, that's really, when I look at my portfolio, the only thing I really look at politics here in Ecuador about, I mean, there's some tax stuff, but the biggest thing is just what's going to go on with the dollar. Because if somehow we, we go off the dollar, it could really have a huge impact on my overall portfolio here. Um, and I'm not hearing that right now. Everybody I, I talk to, um, you know, there's not a lot of appetite. Um, from anyone to go off the dollar. So, yeah, that was. Um, I could talk a little bit more about real estate and how that's changed over the last seven years. So, again, you know, it, it really has to do with the strength of the dollar. Seven years ago, uh, the Canadian dollar was very, very strong, and we had a lot more Canadians uh, buying into Ecuador. Uh, typically, Ecuador, because we're on the dollar, South Americans were very expensive for South Americans. Uh, to buy real estate property here in Ecuador. So our primary buyers have always been Americans and Canadians. And probably seven years ago, it was probably, even though Canada is much smaller than the U.S., we probably made up 50% of my business as far as real estate sales, maybe more, 60%, 70%. But as the Canadian dollar has gotten weaker and the U.S. dollar has gotten stronger, that's definitely gone through a huge shift. Um, I'd say now 80% of our real estate sales are actually to Ecuadorians and to, to, to Americans, we're not seeing nearly as many uh, Canadians anymore because of the strength in the U.S. dollar. Um, 
It also affects real estate sales to other South American countries because just Colombia, when I got here, I remember a, a vacation to go vacation in Colombia. A hotel would cost $200 because their peso was was at, at 2,000. Now it's at 4,000 pesos uh, for a dollar. So everything in Colombia has gone up twice as much uh, or is it twice as expensive. So that goes for real estate and for um, uh, for, for for tourism from Colombia, which is expensive for Colombians. For, for Argentinians, we've priced out Argentinians in the market because we're on the dollar. Brazilians haven't come for a long time since their currency has been very weak. Uh, the one South American country that's that's remained strong because their currency is Chile. Um, we've seen actually a, a, a slow increase in, in tourism from Chile. Um, Peru has always been weak. And I mean, Venezuela has gone down the tubes. Everybody knows about that. So when I got here, we still had kind of strong Venezuelan tourism, but now that's gone away completely. So although we're, we've got this huge South American economy with 400, 500 million people, we're really, you know, not really able to capitalize on a lot of that from a hotel and tourism standpoint because of the strength of the dollar. Uh, so, I mean, my 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 hope um, over the next few years, and uh, you know, depending on which economist you listen to, is that the dollar will start to get weaker. Um, the dollar gets weaker, um, oil prices, of course, go up, um, and tourism. It'll really help tourism. We'll start getting more tourism from Europe, the U.S., from other South American countries. So uh, remaining stable, so we wouldn't go off the dollar, but a, a steady decrease in the power and in, in the strength of the dollar would really, really help the Ecuadorian economy as far as exports, as far as the, the U.S. as far as uh, oil and as far as tourism, which, um, you know, most of our, uh, our businesses uh, rely on exports and, and tourism. Uh, thank you, Robbie. Uh, I would like to continue in having the opinion uh, from Randy and Deborah Dubov. Uh, they have been living here in Ecuador for a long time, and they have good experiences on, I might say, in all all type of levels here in Ecuador. So, <laughs> Randy and Deborah, could you please uh, give us your your lecture of the economic in Ecuador from from your perspective? Oh, you are on. Okay, thanks, Marcos. It's nice to be here with you. That was very interesting information that you just presented, Robert. Thank you very much. It's um, the kind of information that we haven't heard before from so many different um, areas of the economy. Um, Rini and I aren't really experts in anything economic. We're just uh, retired expats living here, but we you know, especially Randy. I'm sorry, I don't know if it's just me, but we can now hear you. Oh. I can hear them, Marcos. You can hear me? I can hear okay. you. Okay. Okay. I can hear you as well. Okay. So, um, I I think that the, the thing that we're mostly concerned about is just the world economy in general and uh, how that's going to impact um, Ecuador, a lot of the things that the economists said um, did address some of the questions that we had, but um, one of the things that we have really paid a lot of attention to is what's happening with the U.S. dollar uh, as the reserve currency, and there's a lot of talk from the analysts that we listen to that uh, the U.S. dollar, because of the amount of debt and the amount of uh, dollar printing that's going on right now to create even more debt is 
eventually going to cause a crash of the U.S. dollar and that the U.S. dollar will no longer be accepted in international trade. So, um, you know, our concern has just been then what will Ecuador do if that happens? We know that the Chinese are also heavily invested in Ecuador. And um, we have heard rumors from reliable places that China has been saying they're not going to take the U.S. dollar and trade anymore and that they're eventually going to be creating a gold-backed yuan. So we've also been curious to know what others think about that likelihood and whether Ecuador would then maybe consider using the yuan instead of the dollar. I mean, we just don't know what's going to happen with that. So that could greatly affect um, tourism as well as our real estate values. We heard from one of the experts in one of the previous seminars that Marcos hosted that um, real estate values were likely going to go down by as much as 30%. So if we add problems with the dollar to that and the ongoing debt that the economist just told us about, um, though it doesn't sound like uh, there's going to be a whole lot of velocity of money going on in this economy. So that's concerning. Just looking at the trend in, in the strength of the dollar um, over the last 10 years, it's, all, it's only gotten stronger. And um, you know, I look at what they've done with the stimulus packages right now in the U.S., the amount of printing they're doing hasn't affected that at all. And I think it's because, you know, most of the, the world currencies are, are, are worse off than we are. And as, as long as that continues, I, I personally see the trend continuing. Um, I think the biggest issue with as far as real estate here, like I said, assuming that we're not going to go off the dollar, we haven't had a lot of. Um, of growth in real estate prices here. It's stable, but it hasn't gone up. And the primary factor in that is because you can't get a loan from banks. Um, so really the, the growth in real estate here and real estate values is tied to, 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 um, to just the increase in, in income that people have in, in the US and even in Ecuador. So um, there's not a lot of inflationary pressure uh, and there is a little bit of deflationary pressure as you've got like these things go along with the, the pandemic, earthquakes, work stoppages, that type of thing. So, but overall, the dollars created stability. I, I don't think there's a lot of risk right now in the world for, uh, for, uh, for us to, to lose reserve currency status. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, what I found a real estate strategy here in Ecuador is kind of a flight to quality. Um, I, I see a lot of people that are looking for, for cheap property, um, which is great for retirement. But if you're looking for appreciation and you're in, in the value of your land, it's just not a great strategy here because everybody's, everybody's a cash buyer. Um, and so um, there's a ton of land. There's just land everywhere. And, um, and so what you've got is if somebody sells you a piece of land, you think you're about getting it cheap for $20,000, but it just never appreciates. And people say, well, it can't go down. The answer is that it can go down to zero a lot faster than it can go up. Um, and so what I always recommend people do here when they're buying real estate um, is really look for something that's unique about a property, uh, whether it's beachfront or something, you know, in Cuenca that's in a, in a unique 
in a, a unique area in the in the um, in the old part of town um, because we don't see a lot of appreciation here because there's just not a lot. There's no banking activity. There's no loans. Um, so you really have to be careful what you buy. Um, I wouldn't. I, I as far as do, the, the biggest risk, the dollar is going off the dollar for all of us. Um, that's the way I see it. Um, I was looking at something else that Alberto posted, which is when I look at my business because he posted a, a a graph of GDP of Ecuador, which which kind of correlates to the, the the oil prices in Ecuador. And it's funny because I opened my business in 2013. And I look at the boom period for Montanita and really all of Ecuador as far as real estate pricing. We saw a huge run up um, in, in prices here from 2011 to 2015. Um, and that was when oil was still had a really high price. Um, oil was still, I think, over, I think it averaged for the year, like 70 or $80. Um, and so we really had this like booming economy here. And then it's funny because with the earthquake, I saw in his graph when when oil cratered um, and uh, oil cratered and really the economy cratered at the earthquake. Um, but then I saw with my business in 2017 and 2018, you saw a little bump up in his graph of GDP and oil again. And we had a great years in 2017 and 2018. Now we're seeing a crater again with the pandemic. So it's interesting to see how the economy here really, really uh, tracks the price of oil and GDP very closely. Um, that's something I noticed also in, in Alberto's graphs. Yeah, let me make a couple of comments. The We're not seeing inflation from all the money printing because they're printing money for entities that just shove it in their own account. It doesn't get out into the general economy. And the other thing is that we see the independent business person in Ecuador is not able to work. So this all addresses this this concept of money velocity. And there's not enough money velocity in Ecuador. There's not enough money velocity in the world right now with the way <clears throat> politicians are handling the uh, this uh, pandemic, whether it's uh, globalist created or not. Um, so we need to look at money velocity. How do you get money velocity increased in Ecuador? And something that I've noticed is that there are too many taxes on the small guy. And I think that Ecuador is going to need to take a really hard look at reducing regulation. It's about time. You know, we talked to, uh, uh, a friend of ours that owns a hardware store here, and it didn't come to fruition, but he had been advised that what was coming down the pipe was a pre-tax, a pre-tax on estimated income. Now, that's crazy. You know, I can see paying a certain amount of taxes on achieved business, but not on speculated business. So anyway, the point is, got to get money velocity up. And one way to do that is to create business incentive and take the regulation out, shrink the size of government, and let the little guy just do what he does best, and that's run his little shop or his little entrepreneur enterprise. That's where I'm at. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I've seen that here. So here in Montanita, we basically have two economies, one for the small guy and one for a guy like me who's, who's, who's a bit bigger. So I've got about 25 employees when we're open, uh, 20, 25 employees. And, um, you know, we're so I actually I, I think the laws here for, for people on a RECI are actually pretty good. You, you basically have an estimated tax and you pay virtually nothing. And as long as it's underneath a certain revenue, you're, you're actually OK. It's guys like me that that are kind of a little bit bigger. Um, I definitely have to have an accountant here. And as an expat, I have an accountant here and one in the U.S. Um, so it is expensive, all the stuff that I have to deal with for, for running a business here and running it in the U.S. Um, but there's a trade-off with everything. So we're, we're basically unencumbered with, uh, with um, regulation here. Um, as far as permits and things like that, we don't have a lot of permitting, a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of red tape to get started, which you have in the U S, um, versus here, you know, as you get going, you're needing, you, you need to do a lot of stuff just as far as taxes. But yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Any, any help we can get, especially right now with COVID where my business is, is, is completely shut down. You know, we're looking for any type of relief we can get, um, as far as keeping our employees, um, paid and fed. Um, something I've noticed since that over the last, um, you know, few months with what's going on in the U.S. is that, um, you know, there's no social safety net here. So we're really having to step in where the government isn't. You know, if I don't keep paying my employees, they won't have food to eat. Um, and that's just there's there's a, there's a social safety net in the U.S. that exists where people are making strategic decisions where I'll, do I want to furlough my employees? Do I want to lay them off and give them unemployment? And here it's just, it's more, you know, if I laid my employees off, they don't have food for their families. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about reopening and what it's going to look like and how it's going to change. And I think, I think everybody in the world right now who owns a business, you know, is thinking about what the new normal is. Um, you know, I have a hotel and a restaurant and, you know, are there going to be new regulations around testing when people come into the hotel? Well, all my employees have to wear gloves and masks. Um, you know, my restaurant, you know, how many tables am I going to have to have? Do I, I, I'm hearing that I'm only going to be able to serve food in rooms for the time being. Um, things of that nature, those questions, is just as, as far as opening up a, a business again. I know a lot of expats have Airbnbs. You know, you're going to have to do a lot of things differently as far as cleaning and how you service your Airbnbs. Um, so I, I think we're all just kind of in the midst of figuring that out right now. I don't know if there's some a, a grand conspiracy out there keeping us closed, but I think there's going to be a new normal when this thing opens back up that we're all going to have to live with. And I, frankly, it's going to be expensive, and the the experience for the for for my guests isn't going to be the same. So you know that's what I think about more. Who wants to check into a hotel where the people who are greeting you have gloves and a mask on, um, and you can't go to the restaurant? So you know. Even if I could open up right now, I don't think I would. I know I wouldn't. Um, I'd probably wait another month or two, uh, which is exactly what I'm doing. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to today's podcast. If you have any questions, you just want to get a hold of me, feel free to shoot me a note at robert.montanitastates.com through my website, uh, montanitastates.com, or through my Instagram and Facebook pages listed in the podcast. Take care, everyone.